Hi, welcome to Unscripted by Twine. I'm Diana Rao, and I'm your host. In this podcast, my guests choose from a library of deep and thought-provoking questions, and we just talk about it for 15 or 20 minutes. Our hypothesis is that as long as we choose meaningful questions, we'll end up in a conversation worth having. As Carl Sagan says, we make our world significant by the courage of our questions and the depth of our answers. Ready? Let's go. I have my friend Lisa here. Lisa, it's so great to have you on Unscripted, and we're so excited to dive into the questions that you selected for this episode. Hi, Diana. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this chat. <laughs> me too. Okay, so let's dive straight in. Um, let's. I, I love actually, I'm looking at the, these amazing questions you chose. I might actually work backwards a little bit, but let's start with uh, what's the weirdest thing about you? <laughs> well, this is pretty cool for me anyway. I fall into a really special category called the two percenters. And as a two percenter, only 2% of the world population has red hair. And only 2% of the world population of redheads have green eyes. So I think it's kind of cool. Um, we actually are the carriers of a mutant gene that dates back to, I'm not quite sure, I, I don't recall the history, but it's called the MC1R, and it is a mutation. Um, but in order for you to have red hair, both sets of parents have to carry that gene. And it doesn't mean that they're redheads, it just means that they carry it. But two other really cool trivial facts about us is that our temperature runs about 2.2 degrees lower than the rest of the world, and our pain threshold is about 20% higher. So if there's what? any listeners, yeah, if there are any listeners out there in the DC metro area and you see a license plate that says MC1R, wave, that's me. Oh, that is, I. That's amazing. I love your weirdest thing about you. Well, so, okay, so has this actually, so, okay, I have so many questions now. Um, first okay. of all, amazing. So your temperature runs 2.2 degrees lower, 20% higher pain threshold. So do you think that having this mutant gene or being a 2%er um, has affected your life in, some, in, in like the, has it affected how, what the choices you've made in life in any ways? Has it affected, I mean, like having a higher pain threshold, how does that impact your perception of yourself. I'm just curious about identity um, and how this has shaped your identity. Well, I have no fear in general. Mm. Um, my father swears that the first words out of my mouth were, I can do it myself. And, and I actually wrote a LinkedIn article about um, teammates and collaboration and how many times we've actually said, I can do it myself, but we actually can't. And, uh, you know, as far as me being, working my way up through my career, going through my life, I think it's actually helped me embrace the fact that I'm unusual. Um, I chose a career that was predominantly male-oriented and just pushed through. And uh, mm. I think it's given me a resilience that, um, you know, a lot of people have to learn. And with others, it's innate. With me, it's just this never-ending Energizer Bunny go-forward mission. Mm. I love the positive side of what your, the superpowers your mutant gene has given you. So wh yeah. what about, have there been any drawbacks to having MC1R? Um, well, yes. 
because no, when I would tell people that I was sick, no one ever believed me because my temperature just didn't register mm. on what they felt was a fever. Um, so early on in my life, I started researching who I am and, and everything about this gene. And so I, I ran to my parents one day and I said, look, 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 it says I have a fever. And I'm telling you I have a wow. fever and you're telling me I'm not. But look, the medical research shows that I do. So, so, you found, so your parents, wow, so your parents didn't, they weren't aware of this. You actually did your own no. research as a child to figure this out. Yep, yep. Uh, well, I was young. I was probably 10, 11 at the mm -hmm. time. Um, I was always considered an outcast. Um and, and became strong in who I was very young. I don't think I ever even actually met another redhead until I was probably in my late teens. Mm. And what was that like that first time you met another redhead? It was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, I like a kindred spirit thing? How, can you put, put yes, it in a scenario absolutely. and tell us a story of how this happened, please? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and, it, and we just kind of looked at each other and we became fast friends so quickly. Um, actually, I met her, I recall, my junior year of high school. And we were friends uh, until we both left to go to college. So it, it wow. was good. Yeah. That's incredible. Kindred spirits. Is there some sort of like a redhead club that is like there an is. international club? Oh, okay. Oh, how, how does that work? Um, well, there's actually an international redhead convention. I believe it's over in Iceland, Sweden, someplace over there. And it happens the first week of September every single year. Um, and I have not been, but it's on my bucket list. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. International yeah. redhead convention. I love it. <laughs> okay. Um, what an incredible... I, this, I've learned so much from you already. This is really fascinating. Okay, Thanks. well, yeah. So let's actually keep moving down the list because that, that was just an incredible start to the conversation. Um, oh, wow. I, I like, it's, I'm, I'm picturing you in my head in so many ways. I'm thinking like, wow, so fascinating. Well, and I'm also places. really tall. So that doesn't help either. How tall is really tall? 5'10". 5'10". Okay, I'm 5'9". So we're like almost. Okay. You're Yay. just, you're a little, I was expecting you to say like six foot three. And I was going to be like, no, oh, you're six foot three but, but redhead? Have, Incredible. But my son is seven feet. Wow. So, wait, your son's seven feet? Yeah. Uh, where, where are all, this is like mutant genes everywhere. Does he have superpowers too? What are his superpowers? Um, we have all kinds of superpowers. I think everyone has superpowers. You just have to mm. dig deep and find them and embrace them. And, you know, it helps to become who you are. Hey, guys, mm. this is Steven. I'm sorry I'm late. Uh, just oh. kind of one of those days. Hi, sorry, one sec. Hi, Steven. Um, I'm actually in the middle of doing a podcast, and I think we're scheduled for an hour and a half from now at 2.30, my time. So I think the calendar's for oh, okay. 2.30. I think we're one hour early. Can we catch you in a second? Yeah, perfect. Sorry about that. It's okay. Okay. Bye. All right. Let me actually do something, Lisa. I'm going to lock our podcast. <laughs> it's all right. We have a good thing we have editing, so we're all good to go. Um, I'm going to lock I, this yeah. meeting so no one can join my meeting anymore. 
this is such an amazing conversation. I love how, I mean, I might just leave that in there because that's hilarious. But yeah. okay, so I do have, I do have a question coming back to this. Um, sure. You know, being different, right? Being different. You said you were always sort of like the odd, uh, the different one, the odd one, maybe a little bit of the outcast was the mm -hmm. word that you used. Um, how, so I'm curious about body image. Like when, when did you realize that you were just beautiful in your own eyes? Like what, when, when did that happen for you as, you know, as, as sort of a kid who grew up thinking you were sort of different? You know, that's a really interesting question. Um, I have done some things in my life that have allowed me to be behind a camera. I've also done some things that have allowed me to be on the other side of the camera, but I have never looked at myself as beautiful on the outside. I view myself as tremendously beautiful on the inside. And to mm. me, that's much more important. Mm. Wow, okay. Thank you for sharing that. I know that was a little bit, that wasn't sure. a selected question. So it was a little bit of a wild ball or a curve ball right there. Um, <laughs> she called it a wild ball. Now, <laughs> if someone yeah. tells me that they feel that I'm beautiful, I always say thank you. But it's just not somehow that I view myself externally. I, I view myself as just me. I'm unique and it's cool. I love that. Do you think... Is, do you think um, the concept of physical beauty matters to you or has it been something that, that you've been able to isolate away from how you value yourself to the point where you say like, I don't need to be beautiful, um, like uh, externally? You know, how do you think about that? In the society that we live in, in the culture that we live in, um, given social media, especially as far as it's developed, you know, previously, when I was growing up, you used to see commercials on TV with Farrah Fawcett and with Raquel Welch. And, you know, everyone's version of beauty was related to what they saw in an image, whether it was an actress or a model or, or a spokeswoman. Um, and, and I think that our view of beauty was sort of swayed and diluted because of how media approaches what beauty is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, the modeling world, um, if you're familiar with the camera, it adds 10 pounds on you. So mm -hmm. there was a time where I was 112 pounds and was told that I was heavy and needed to lose some weight. Mm -hmm. and, and that's pretty much when I decided that your view of me externally is not as important as my view of me internally. Um, so mm. I did my job, I made some nice money, and got away from that world because it just didn't align with my values. I hope that answered your mm. question. That does. That's an incredible, well, I mean, it's incredible that you came to that conclusion so early on and were able yeah. to internalize this, you know, because I think that's something that, something that people can struggle with for a lifetime. Um, and sadly, like, because of those, right, because of those societal demands, constraints, um, you know, perceptions that we grow up with. It's just, I think of it as like, um, like a low, a low grade buzz that happens in the back of your mind constantly. The question of like, am I enough? Am I, you yeah. know, should I go on a diet? You know, looking at the scale. So there's like, there's certain things that it's just these negative things that these, these signals that are inside your brain that are difficult to quiet. And what's amazing to me right. is that you found that quiet so early on, which yeah. 
pretty exceptional. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, so switching gears, um, sure. I, I just find you so fascinating. I want to go into your second question, which is what, what fictional characters do you most relate to? <laughs> and also so, historical um, character too, either one, you, whichever you, one, fictional or historical. You can hear me laughing. Um, if you're familiar with Greek mythology, my favorite, most easily relatable character is the goddess Artemis, who was oh. the daughter of... <laughs> That's my name. You... Oh, yay. Um, yeah. She was the daughter of Zeus and the twin of Apollo. She is most known as the goddess of the hunt, but mm -hmm. she's also the protector of animals and wilderness mm -hmm. and childbirth and virginity and all things pure. Um, so it, it, she... Even though she hunted, she hunted for survival. And she had to hunt, sadly, those animals that she protected the most. So it's the deer and the bear are sacred to her, um, not only as symbols, but as sources of sustenance. And the deer and the bear are also my totem animals. Wow. Wait, how do you get, wait, do you choose your totem animals or are, are no, totem you animals something that are assigned you to you? You, um, you actually can go through some testing and some, some deep diving with a shaman to help mm. locate your totem animals for you. <gasps> how incredible. Okay, this is new <laughs> to me. I think I know what my totem <laughs> animal is. Since I was very small, it's been a tiger. I think, I, I don't know if I can see a shaman and find out that it's not a tiger. It would just be very, um, I, I would feel like my whole identity had fallen out from beneath my feet. Yeah. So we, um, may, well, there, we may there just are stick some, with that. I'm sure there are some websites out there that can find your totem animal based on your birth date and your gender. Um, but because we have non-binary genders now and we have all kinds of other people that we embrace, you might just want to do the research based on your birth date and the location in the country where you were born. Wow. Okay, Lisa, I'm learning all sorts of new things from you. <laughs> this is just so amazing. I talked to Sony. This is fascinating to me. Okay, so amazing. So you're fictional slash slightly historical. I mean, I love that you chose a fictional character that's actually also historical. So Artemis, yeah, actually, so my godfather's Greek and he um, originally was going to name me Artemis, and then he changed yeah. it to Diana, the Roman version of Artemis, yeah. right? Because okay. he was worried that I would get yep. made fun of as a kid. And then in middle school, I went through a period where I was like, you know what, I'm going to legally change my name to Artemis. And I never got around to doing it. But, you know, it's sort of a, actually, it, that's my that's sort of like my Instagram is codenamed Artemis, which yeah. anyone listening, don't go on Instagram and find me because I don't actually use Instagram. It's it's that's why it's a code name. No one can find it. Okay. So um yeah, amazing. Okay, yeah. well so let me actually put so I wanna ask you this la the last question, this one last question. And yep. um bring it full circle, kind of coming into who you are today and the impact that you have mm -hmm. in the world. Um I wanna ask you in your daily life, like how important is it to you? Uh, to be able to give back as well as pay pay it forward. It's so important to me. Um, every day, it is a core value that I live by, 
Um, anyone who does any research on me will find probably a tagline out there that I have everywhere, which is do something, anything, make a difference. You know, it could be helping someone put the groceries in their car. It could be if someone drops something, picking it up for them or letting them know, excuse me, you dropped this. Um, uh, I happen to just believe in giving back. It's so important. I have been blessed with a mind that never wants to stop learning. And mm. in my learning process, I love to share knowledge with others. So as I navigated through my career, it was important to me to be what I call an open servant leader, meaning any knowledge and information and skills that I have, I'm going to share with you because at some point I want a replacement to take my chair so that I can move on to take someone else's chair. And if you're a closed leader and you protect all of that knowledge, I just feel that you're doing harm to yourself as well as others. So it, it's super, super important. Um, in, in that realm, I opened the door of my home to four young men that weren't mine. So at a time, wow. I was raising five boys in my house. And it was all about doing what I could to help them get to where they needed to be. Mm. Okay. Four, I mean, I, incredible, right? So you had five boys in your house that you were raising. Were they all around the same age group, all teenagers? They within gosh three to four years of each other. They all graduated within three years of high school. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So now I have sort of a a wild card. That's what I was trying to say. Wild card. I said wild ball earlier. I meant wild card first ball question. Okay. Um. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So how um you know how did you teach your your boys, especially like having five boys, right, in total. Um, how, how did you teach your boys to be like deep listeners and really thoughtful, empathetic human beings that are super in tune with their, their feelings and something? Like, I'm just curious about, because I can tell what, just by talking with you, um, your incredible sense of just awareness of yourself and just like loving kindness and compassion. Um, yeah. How, what was the brand of masculinity that you taught to your boys? Well, um, we didn't have any rules in the house other than three. And that was honor the words that come out of your mouth. If you're going to speak mm. it, honor it. If you don't think that you can honor it, zip it because I don't want to hear it. Um, mm. Always be honest because if they lied, they knew that I would catch them in the lie. So they learned really quick. Don't lie to mom. Um, and to respect everybody else that was in the house. You don't have to like everyone that you're around all the time, but you have to respect the fact that they have something to contribute. And that was it. Um, you know, I never had to ask them to take out the garbage. They just, because of the respect that they had for me, would take out the garbage. Mm, incredible. Incredible. Um, yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they're my biggest accomplishment to date and probably for the rest mm. of my life. Yeah. I love that, Lisa. Well, thank you for sharing. 
sure. everything with me today, your family, your boys, um, your favorite characters, your, your, <laughs> the thing that's weirdest about you. I love it all. I just feel like this is such an amazing conversation. Thank you for this. Um, um, 